This is Financial Tech and the Guide Rock Capital Management Weekly Commentary for the week of January 29th, 2013. I'm your host, Jim Cawson, broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.tv studios here in a very, very cold Bellevue, Nebraska. And we post the show, including the written commentary each week, out at the AverageGuy.tv. This weekly podcast brings you market commentary from Andrew Hunt, CFP and president of Guide Rock Capital Management here in Omaha, Nebraska. If you'd like to receive the commentary in advance, send an email. Send that over to Andrew. It's just Andrew underscore Hunt at Guide Rock Capital, all one word, Guide Rock Capital. Dot com and put subscribe in the subject line. If you have questions or comments, you can always email the show, podcast at theaverageguy.tv. And, of course, you can find us both on Twitter. I'm at Jay Collison, and Andrew is at Andrew D. Hunt. If you're new to podcasts and you're looking for a way to easily listen each week, you might want to consider using Stitcher, available on any browser, as well as both Android and iPhone platforms. It's a great way to listen to podcasts at both at home and on the road. This show and all the past shows are on Stitcher. Stitcher.com, search financial tech. It's education for your ears. Speaking of education for your your ears, I've got Andrew with us tonight. We're a little late this week. We're producing this on Thursday <laughs> night after the Home Tech Podcast. We had some techno, technical difficulties on your end, Andrew, getting it all done. But we are here. It's Thursday. What do you have for us this week, Andrew? Well, glad to be back again. Yeah, like you said, it, we're late this week, but better late than never. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah. Uh, well, so anyway, so the markets these last couple of weeks, we've, we've been talking about this. This is our third week in a row, and it's the third week in a row that I'm saying the markets are just still on fire. Lots of optimism out there. And uh, all across, it's it's spreading across the globe. For the first two weeks of the uh, of the year, it was mostly uh, U.S. domestic uh, increasing markets, and now uh, the euro zone has picked up the pace as well. Um, a big driver uh, last week was uh, National Association of Realtors came out and again just reiterated falling mortgage rates, unemployment's going down as well, uh, really affordable housing out there uh, because of the depressed market for the last five years. And that's all leading to record um, home sales. Since 2007, we're seeing the best home sales uh, that we've seen. And so that's really good. I mean, home sales are a big driver. Home sales and new construction are really big drivers for the economy. So that's that's pushing pushing the markets up. Earnings started coming out as well. For those of you who have been following some of the earnings reports, we've had some good ones. We've had some uh, some bad ones. But overall, the, the market's responding really well. In fact, the uh, S&P 500, which is the most widely followed uh, market index, um, it's 500 of the largest companies in the United States, uh, rose to over 1,500 for the first time in five years um, last week. So that's really great. And if you, you know, we're midway through the week, and it's still hovering right around 1,500 right now as well, which is pretty awesome. Um, so we're really seeing the markets rise. And like I said, that kind of euphoria has spread across the pond um, to the eurozone. 
And we're just seeing them start to, to take off as well. The euro reached its highest level in nearly a year against the U.S. dollar. Uh, interest rates in Italy and Spain, which is, if you guys recall from last year, uh, their debt was getting super expensive because people were worried about them and, and not wanting to invest. And so they had to increase their, uh, increase their yields on their debt to get people to buy it. And that, so we're starting to see those, those interest rates fall, which is a good sign. So all in all, right now, we're off to a really strong start for the year, and that's exciting. Uh, year to date so far, the S&P 500 is up about 5.4% in the first uh, first month of the year. Uh, so that's, that's pretty intense. Uh, that's, that's a pretty great return so far this year. Is it sustainable, Andrew? You know, that's a great question, Jim. Uh, you know, whenever we, January typically comes out pretty hot like this. If you look at, at last year, we had a similar situation coming into the spring. Um, here's a, little, so a couple of little terms for you. We might have talked about this um, on podcasts last year, but we use a lot of terms. One is correction, um, and then one is, is uh, you know, a bear market. And what is a correction? Well, a correction is a fall of 10% or more. Um, a full bear market is a fall of between 10 and 20 percent. Um, and so could we see a correction uh, from this euphoria? Absolutely. It, you know, we've, we've been living in correction zone for the last five years. Things have been bouncing up and down. Uh, whenever, we see, whenever we hear these best ever type things or all-time high, those type of statements, it always leads me to believe that uh, you, know, you should probably start to tread lightly a little bit and, and pay attention. Uh, pay attention is kind of the major takeaway. You know, the other thing I wanted to talk about today, one of the provisions of the, um, you know, the American Taxpayer Relief Act, which was, you know, the Fiscal Cliff Solution Act, basically, was that uh, workplace retirement plans, you can now make an in-plan Roth conversion. So for those of you who are familiar with a Roth IRA, which I like to call as the government's gift to savers, you can now, as part of that, part of that law that was passed at the 11th hour, you can now convert your, you know, before tax 401k, 403b, 457, whatever that might be at your employer's qualified plan, you can now convert that or a portion of that to a Roth. Um, uh, so very exciting. Uh, just a quick uh, kind of what's the difference between a traditional and a Roth. A traditional IRA is where your contributions through a retirement plan are made with before tax dollars, so they reduce your current income, and then the you know the earnings in that account grow tax deferred until the assets are withdrawn, and then the, the you know when you take distributions in retirement, their tax is ordinary income. A Roth, on the other hand, your contributions are made with after-tax dollars, so it's already been taxed. You don't get to reduce your income at all, but the account also grows tax-free, and when you take distributions, you don't pay tax on the gains. Um, on, you know, there's no ordinary income tax or anything like that. Usually, it just comes out tax-free. It's amazing, super cool, um, very cool opportunity. The question is, is how do I know what's right for me? Because you know, maybe some people like the ordinary income reduction so they don't pay as much taxes in the current year. Other people like the idea of tax-free distributions in retirement. So it's kind of tough. So I came up with uh, four different uh, kind of thinking points because it's going to be different for everybody. So, so much of investing is unique to the individual. Um, and so I came up with four things. The first one is you have to analyze your tax bracket now and in the future. If you think you'll be in a higher tax bracket during retirement than you are in today, well, maybe a Roth conversion makes sense. Um, 
you're, you have to, you, I would say you need to probably, number two, have assets available to pay the taxes due. When you do the conversion from a traditional to a Roth, you do have to pay up the tax that you got the benefit of not paying when you put the traditional money in. So if, you're, if you've got a large qualified retirement account, uh, you know, that could be a big chunk of money. And I say pay up the taxes with money outside of the plan up front so that way you're not having to take distributions and it gets all kinds of hairy and stuff like that. The third one, that you, the reason why you might consider conversion is if you wanted to do some legacy or estate planning. Um, a Roth 401k offers estate planning opportunities um, that a traditional doesn't. Uh, conversion might be a good choice. And you should talk with your estate planning professional to see if that'd be a good fit for you because there are some nuances there. And then the last one, the fourth, the fourth thing you need to analyze is your income needs during retirement. If you, uh, if having a source of tax-free income to supplement any taxable income you have uh, could really boost your overall position, well, maybe a Roth conversion makes sense as well. I mean, so those are the four things you're really going to want to consider. It kind of becomes a math quiz and it's very unique to, to you know, each individual person. Talk to your plan sponsor, talk to your investment advisor, and they can really help you think about it. So here's the quote for the week. Uh, it's from Helen Keller, who is actually the first deaf and blind person to earn a bachelor's degree. Um, her quote is, optimism is the faith that leads to achievement. Nothing can be done without hope and confidence. And with that, that's the weekly market commentary. Andrew, thank you very much. You know, we actually are doing this live. We've got some folks that hung around for chat. One of them asked, which is kind of cool to have some folks to yeah. bounce questions off of. Anyone know the yearly limits for Roth versus traditional IRAs? IRAs would be different than the 401k. That's we're talking about qualified plans. But an IRA, I believe it just went up this year to um, 5,500 if you're less than 50 and 6,500 if you're older than 50 for, a, for an IRA. For a qualified plan, and I can pull it up here. For a qualified plan, I think the uh, individual is 17,500 that you can contribute to a qualified plan. And... Um, for if you're over 50, I think it's 23.5. I need to look that up though. Um, that'd be a good one. That and that'd be do. pretty easy for somebody to look up if they yeah. they could probably just Google. Google that. it. Google okay. it. Yeah. Very, totally. very very good. And then one question I have for you: We've seen this housing cycle happen before, where interest rates gets really cheap. People get very excited about buying houses. All kinds of crazy schemes start to take place. You have a glut, uh, and there's, and right now we have a glut of stuff for sale, and so it starts driving the market prices, starts driving prices up. We're at the bottom. It seems like we're at the bottom of that cycle now, and I'm not asking you to look ahead, but are we at the same risk for that same kind of cycle to be, uh, that same kind of bubble to be formed over the next two to three years in the housing sector, or is that is that fairly stable at this point? You know, that's a good question. You, you know, the, the last, in my opinion, the last housing bubble was generated from a lot of bad decisions from a lot of angles. You know, you had bad, you had borrowers getting too much house. You had uh, mortgage brokers pushing too much loan. You had um, loan developers and product engineers creating products where people only had to pay interest only. Um, and then we had kind of these cultural pressures um, that kind of all impacted it. So can we get back to that in two to three years? I don't think so. People have really been burned. I think, um, you know, I'm hearing more and more folks talk about not wanting to own. Um, and, that, you know, I think that's an interesting, uh, interesting question. The, the real estate market's just a crazy thing to look at right now. There's still such 
polar, polar situations when you look at the coasts. And even in the same state like California, you look at San Diego versus LA versus Sacramento versus, you know, vastly different markets. Uh, it's, really, it's an interesting thing to watch. We're here in Omaha, Nebraska, and I've often thought we moved my kids, my oldest, into an apartment uh, down, you know, down the road a bit. And as I was moving into the apartment, I looked around and I thought, well, this is kind of nice. No <laughs> mowing the lawn, no having to take care, no shoveling snow, you know, and uh, and so it's interesting. I've always been taught, you know, home ownership is the key to everything. You got to own the home and home. But I'm maybe one of those guys that as the kids leave, we may downsize into an apartment and and call it good. I, it, it just the, the the idea of as I have a sink upstairs tonight that started leaking and molded oh, yeah. everywhere. You know, it's just kind of nice not to have that expense. So that's somebody else's problem. <laughs> absolutely is. Well, Andrew, thanks. We got this done this week, and next week I'll just let listeners know. Uh, next week's schedule it will probably be a little off too. I'll be doing some traveling, and Andrew and I are going to kind of connect. Uh, I'll probably try and connect with you either Tuesday or Wednesday night. We'll get that figured out. But if you are listening to this and the recorded version of it, we first we say thanks, yeah. and uh, we'd love some interaction with you. If you have any questions or comments about the show, podcast at theaverageguy.tv, or you can send Andrew an email uh, direct. We mentioned that first part of the show, Andrew underscore Hunt at guiderockcapital.com. And be sure to visit Guide Rock Capital. Uh, that's just really easy, guiderockcapital, all one word, dot com. Follow Andrew on Twitter. He's just Andrew D. Hunt. And get all the show notes uh, for this show out at this post at theaverageguy.tv. Now, Andrew and I say thanks for listening, and we'll catch up with you next week. Remember, be smart about your investing. Good night, Andrew. Good night. GuideRock Capital Management, Inc., or GuideRock, is a registered investment advisor that is registered with the state of Nebraska and located in Omaha, Nebraska. GuideRock and its representatives are in compliance with the current registration requirements imposed upon investment advisors in the states in which they maintain clients. GuideRock may only transact business in those states in which it is registered or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. Important information describing GuideRock's business operations, services, and fees can be viewed on the SEC's website at www.advisorinfo.sec.gov. GuideRock will provide Form ADV Part 2, which serves as the firm's disclosure document to all clients. Copies of Form ADV Part 2 are also available to interested parties upon request. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. Past performance is not indicative of future results. No current or prospective clients should assume that the future performance of any specific investment, investment strategy, or product made reference to directly or indirectly on this video, website, or indirectly via hyperlink or any affiliated third-party website will be profitable or equal to past performance levels.